this morning. Between last Sunday, um, taking a break from it, and Sunday before that being gone, it's been about three weeks since we've been there. So we're actually going to kind of finish up the end of chapter 33 and then go forward from there. Grace and peace to you from God, our Heavenly Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, by the presence of his Holy Spirit. He's here, and he's within every single believer. And all God's people said, Amen. When we left Moses, things were pretty intense and interesting. It was after the golden calf incident. Moses offered himself as atonement for the people. Um, God didn't really say anything in response to that. He didn't, he didn't say, yeah, I'll, I'll take your life. I'll remove you from the book of life for the sake of the people. But it was a, a powerful picture of Jesus offering himself for us and God receiving his sacrifice for our sakes. So in the midst of that and following that, Moses is interceding for the people. We're going to pick it up at verse 18, Exodus chapter 33, verse 18. Keep in mind where we're at in the story here. Moses has met God face-to-face -face in a sense at the burning bush. He's walked with God through the, the ten plagues in Egypt, through the Red Sea crossing. They've already been receiving uh, the daily manna supply miraculously, the daily, um, oh, the birds, the quail, thank you. <laughs> the quail supply every day, water when they need it, all these miracles they've seen, the presence of God go with them. In the daytime, by a pillar of cloud, in the nighttime, a pillar of fire, all these things and more, Moses experienced. But still, he says, in verse 18, Moses said, please show me your glory. Now, in our modern-day American terms, first thing we think of is Moses wants to see the blame. This is so much more than that. The glory of God he's asking to see is the very character, the essence, the depth, the, the, the totality of who God is. He says, God, please show me your glory. Moses has seen more than we could probably hope to imagine to see in our physical lifetimes. And he says, I want to see more. I want to see the whole thing. He says, God, show me your glory. And God said, I will make, say this with me, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name. So Moses says, God, show me your glory. I want to see the whole thing. And God says, all my goodness is the whole thing. I just, that just blesses me. I'll make all my goodness pass before you, and I'll proclaim before you my name. And again, that's not just God's names, and so we know whether to call him Joe or Bill or whatever. God's name includes his presence and all he is and all he brings. So he says, I'm going to make all my goodness pass before you, Moses, and I'll proclaim before you my name, the Lord, Yahweh, I am. I'll be gracious to whom I'll be gracious and will show mercy and whom I will show mercy. That's God attaching his sovereignty to his goodness. And that's a pretty deep territory in itself. Verse 20, but God said, you cannot see my face. For man shall not see me and live. God is holy, perfect, righteous, true, all the goodness that we can imagine. And 
we aren't, without the blood of Jesus, we aren't prepared to be in his presence. Uh, destruction would happen. God says, you can't see me face to face. The blood of Jesus hasn't been accomplished yet to apply to you. Can't happen yet. Verse 21. The Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on a rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, kind of a cut out place. And I will cover you with my hand until I've passed by. Then I'll take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Now, God doesn't have a back and a face and a hand physically. Amen. He's expressing things in, in a fashion that we can understand, that Moses can understand and take to heart. But what's God saying? He says, um, I want you to get as much as you can handle without killing you. And we say, thank you, Lord. Yeah, thank you, Lord. That's good stuff, right? That's part of his goodness. So chapter 34, verse 1 continues. The Lord said to Moses, cut for yourself two tablets of stone like the first. I'll write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. Be ready by the morning. Come up in the morning to Mount Sinai and present yourself to me on the top of the mountain. No one shall come up with you. Let no one be seen throughout the mountain. Let no flocks or herds graze opposite that mountain. So who's going to be uh, involved in this exchange? God and Moses, period. Not even animals on a mountain. God and Moses alone. Verse 4. So Moses cut two tablets of stone like the first. He rose early in the morning, went up on Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him, took in his hand two tablets of stone. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Now it's all caps in your Bibles, English Bibles, right? L-O-R-D. That's Yahweh. He proclaimed his name, Yahweh I am. Verse 6. So here, here it is. God's going to pass by and show Moses all the goodness Moses can be allowed to experience without perishing. Verse 6, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord. We could say the Yahweh, the Yahweh. In English we say, the I am, the I am. And I love this. I, I often start my prayers with this. God defines and reveals his character, his goodness, who he is. It says, Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious. Well, that's good enough for me right there. Mercy is when I deserve punishment and God doesn't pour it out of me because he loves me. I like mercy a lot. Hmm. How about you? Mm -hmm. Then God does the other side of that love point. He says, I'm gracious too. I love you even though you don't deserve it. So he doesn't punish me when I do deserve it because he loves me. And he loves me even though I don't deserve it, no matter what. How, how good is that? That's goodness that I, I, I'm with Moses. God, show me more of that. I want to see, hear, know, experience more of your goodness in that way. So God says, I'm merciful and gracious. I'm slow to anger. Man, I want to grow in this. I want to grow in this so much. So when we, when we watch news, social media, whatever, what's our first normal quick response? <laughs> Anger. And the media is really good at, at driving that. that that's, we're, we're clickbait. That brings us back more and more. The matter we get, the more we want to find out what's, what's the new stupid, horrible thing that they're doing. Are you kidding me? And so we're, the, the enemy is training us up to be quick to anger, quick to judgment, 
and quick to rejection of other people. That is not the heart or the goodness of God. Say with me, God is slow, slow to, to anger. anger. Say with me, God is slow, slow to, to anger. And he says elsewhere in scripture, he desires that of us as well. Slow, so he's gracious and merciful, slow to anger. Abounding, you know what abounding is, right? It's way more than we need. It's not just enough, it's way more. So some people like a little bit of uh, icing, a little bit of frosting on the cake. That's okay. I like it when it's abounding. I like extra. That's God. God is extra. Extra in what? Abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. His faithfulness isn't just enough to accomplish the need. His faithfulness he's abounding in. Is this a good God? Do you want to get to know his goodness even more than you've known it up till today? I think we're all like Moses. God, show me more. Show me more of your goodness. It blows my mind and expands my heart. I want to see more. Abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Keeping steadfast love for thousands, and the, the, the implication in Hebrew is thousands of generations. Keeping steadfast love for thousands. And I love this. Forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. The version I learned it growing up as a, as a believer, when God really impacted me with this, said sin and wickedness and rebellion. That's how I still run it through my mind when I'm praying. How, how glad I am I could come to God in my own personal devotions and be encountered by his word and have him show me where I fall short of his glory. How, how glad I am I can say, God, I'm really glad that you forgive not just sin, but you even are willing to forgive wickedness. You're even willing to forgive rebellion. If only there will be repentance and in us confessing our sin, repentance, come back to him. That's how good God is. Sin and wickedness and rebellion, he forgives. Every say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know, maybe you don't need forgiveness of sin. Maybe, you're, you, maybe you never have a wicked thought. Maybe you've never once been rebellious in your life, done things your own way, even if you knew it was against God's law. But I, I need to know that he forgives sin and wickedness and rebellion. But uh, it's not all fuzzy dice. Amen? Amen. It says, but who will by no means clear the guilty? visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Later on, God says, to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. So God says, I am goodness that is hard for you to imagine or grasp. I am merciful and I'm gracious. I'm slow to anger, unlike you. I'm I forgive sin and wickedness and rebellion. I'm, I'm abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. I'm so not like you, it's hard for you to grasp my goodness. But I need you to know that I am righteous and holy. And my goodness uh, can only be received by you if you will confess your sin and repent and receive the gift of my goodness. Especially through Jesus, his son on the cross. Amen. Amen. So God is goodness that just blows our minds and expands our hearts. But he's holy and righteous. And the only way to approach and receive that goodness is by confessing and believing. 
So God's clear. He's up front with us. He wants us to know the whole truth. Amen? Amen. If he just told you all about his goodness and didn't tell you about the righteousness, what would you be tempted to do? And party and just party on and, and not take our stand before him seriously. So God shares the holiness too. By no means clears the guilty. Each generation God is going to call to account. Each person individual God calls to account. Verse 8. Now, so, so we, we should gauge Moses' response. God reveals his goodness, defines it in these wonderful ways, talks about his righteousness too, and that judgment is there for those who, who, uh, who don't take note. And so what's Moses' response? I love this. Verse 8, Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. He hit the ground face down, blown away by the goodness of God. And having known the sin of Israel and his own sins, God almost killed him in the desert on the way to Egypt, right? Remember that? That was a happy sermon, amen? Amen. <laughs> so Moses knows full well how amazing this goodness is and his grace and his mercy. And when he, when he experiences it as much as he can experience, he goes down on his face in worship. Verse 9, he said, if now I have found favor in your sight, O oh Lord, and wouldn't you be blown away? Aren't you blown away when you realize God loves you? You're like, wow. If now I have found favor in your sight, O oh Lord, please let the Lord go in the midst of us. For it is a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin. Isn't this nuts? If, if you admit that you're a stiff-necked people, you're, you're prideful, and rebellious, and so forth and so on. You admit those things, you know it's true. How in the world can you invite that holy God to travel in the midst of you, to pardon your iniquity and your sin? How can you ask such a thing? Because God has just described for you how amazing his goodness is, and now Moses knows it's really possible. This, this is who our God is? Even though we're stiff-necked, and so forth and so on. He'll come in his great his willingness to forgive and, and, and he'll live within us. And this one is off the charts, the last phrase. Take us for your inheritance. Here's what Moses is asking. God, make us your very own. That's a salvation moment kind of declaration. When you realize how far short of a holy God you are, and you realize Jesus took my sin for me, died on the cross, and, and died the death I deserved. And wow, then he rose from the grave and he said, I want to give you my goodness. I want to give you my forgiveness. The payment for your sin, it's all yours, free. Love me, trust me. This is the ultimate thing. God, make me your very own. So you want to know how to pray for people in your life that don't know Jesus yet? This can be part of your prayer. Oh, Lord God. Now help them to, to meet and see and know your goodness. How amazing and awesome and heart-expanding it is. And God, help them to cry out to you as Moses here, make me your very own. 
God's response to that, right? I mean, this this melts the heart of the Lord. Amen. When you and I, nobody said amen. Amen. This melts the heart of God. When we come to him and we say, God, I realize I'm a stiff-necked so-and-so, and I've got a whole bunch of sin and wickedness rebellion, and I need you to forgive all that stuff, and I really, really desire that. I want you to be in the midst of my life, and I want you to make me your very own. That melts God's heart. So what's God reply? Verse 10, God said, Behold, I am making a covenant. God's making the covenant with Moses and the Israelites, anybody who would believe. Before all your people, I will do marvels such as have not been created in all the earth or in any nation. And all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord, for it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. Now, I love this. I want to say, you know what? I'm, I'm sitting here prepping this. I'm saying this. I'm going, God, this is so awesome. So that you and I. When we come to this moment, this Moses moment, we see and experience the goodness of God, and we say, God, I'm stiff-necked, I'm this, that, and the other thing. Would you forgive me? Would you love me? Would you even make me your very own? God says, glad to, awesome, let's do this. And then God says, I'm going to do in your life awesome things that other people will look at you and say, that can't be Joe. Something bigger than Joe is going on there, and they'll know it's the Lord. So you know what I've been praying for you this week? God, do awesome things in your people, through your people, for your people, so that everybody around them knows it's you. So when, so awesome things, right? We had, a, we had a pretty big, deep prayer list this morning. Opportunities for God to do awesome things, amen? Amen. That and a lot more. God, awesome things. Do it. Glorify your name. Praise you, Father. Verse 11. God says, observe what I command you this day. Behold, I will drive out before you the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. Godless bullies. God says, I will drive them out before you. Verse 12. Here's what God asks in return. Now, with this, we so heads up. Amen? Amen. Here's God's response that he desires from you and me. Take care. Be careful. Watch out. Heads up. Now, take care. How does God say that? When you know the rest of the passage, this is how he's saying it. Take care. I'm warning you. Be careful. I've displayed all my goodness to you. I've told you I'm going to do awesome things in your life that will blow away the world. But you need to take warning here. Take care of what? Take care lest you make it lest you make a covenant. Now before God said, I'm making a covenant with you. You've loved me, you've asked me to make me your own. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do awesome things through you. Here and here's what you gotta be careful of. Be careful. Lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land. Say, ow. Uh-oh. Come on, say it. Ow. Uh-oh. Inhabitants of the land. These are people who don't know God. People who hate God, people who want to stay in sin and wickedness and rebellion their whole existence. And God says, you've got to be careful. I'm warning you, don't make covenants, don't make partnerships with the people of the land. Why? Because that jeopardizes the whole thing. I asked God to make me his own. 
But then if I will go off and covenant, connect myself with others, not God, I can break that covenant. God says, I'm warning you, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land to which you go, lest it become a what? A snare. A snare. Now, a snare doesn't sound so bad, does it? Let's put it in um, Midwest, upper Midwest, Minnesota terms that we can all understand. Bear trap. Okay? Bear, you ever seen a bear trap? Hmm. You ever seen what it can do? God says, take care, I'm warning you, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land to which you go, lest it become a bear trap in your midst. God, you, God says, here's what you should do, here's what you must do when you encounter the stuff, the religion, the faith, the lies of the people in the land. This is what you're supposed to do. Verse 13. You shall tear down their altars, break their pillars, and cut down their asherim. I circled the action words in my Bible. Tear down, break, cut down. Does that sound like this is, oh, take care, be really careful with this. Don't eat too much ice cream tonight because then you'll get a tummy ache. <laughs> Those action words. Tear down, break, hmm. cut down. For you shall worship no other God. For the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land. And when they whore after their gods, not in the physical sense, well, they did it also in the physical sense, but it was a spiritual act for them. When they worshiped other gods and consorted with them on purpose, he says, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, when they whore after their gods and sacrifice to their gods, and you are invited, what's the devil really good at doing? Come on. It's not a big deal. Nobody will know. It's only one night. Whatever. Whatever the invitation. When you are invited, I'm warning you, you eat of that sacrifice. You take of their daughters for your sons. When you make a covenant, when you marry in, when you invite that person who is dedicated to everything but me, when you invite them and yoke yourself to them in your lives, bear trap. Their, their daughters whore after their gods and make your sons whore after their gods. Then it's all blown up. So God says, take care. I'm warning you. Be careful. All these things. Now, there's a lot of different ways. Um, a lot of different topics I could connect this to. This one kept coming to my attention this past week, so that's what I'm going to use this morning. Okay, could use a lot of different topics, but for application, how does this work now today? So the inhabitants of the land are falling for a new religion, a new god, a new chapter of the devil's book of lies, having to do with this is happening right now in America. It has to do with our very own identity. God's design has to do with marriage and family. The lie is that gender is whatever you personally feel or think. This lie has gone, gone so far, even within American churches, that still call themselves Christian. I don't know how they, I don't know why they would care to call themselves Christian, but a mainline denomination in America, and I'm not going to call it out and name it, 
If you want to know, you can ask me after church. A mainline denomination in America has just installed their first transgender bishop in the California Senate. Such an installation sets up an altar and pillars to another God. That's all it is, plain and simple. And it's not the God of the Bible. When pressed about what the Bible says about male and female, such supporters of this new bishop, and I've heard this kind of line for, for many, many years, might be heard to say something like, well, Jesus never spoke about gender in modern terms. He loves everyone, however they see themselves. However they deserve, however they choose their self-identity. Jesus certainly does love them. And we should too. Loving them enough to speak the truth to them in love. Because their feet are caught in bear traps. They're in danger. And true love is to speak the truth to them in love and hope that they can come out of the bear trap and come back into Christ. Jesus did in fact speak to gender issues in Matthew chapter 19 <clears throat> verse 3 Pharisees came up to Jesus and tested him by asking is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause he answered say it with me have, have you, you not read, read? say it again with me have, have you, you not, not read? read? Now, I wonder where he's going to suggest that, haven't you read this? Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them what? Male, Male and female. And said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Where is Jesus suggesting that they should have been reading from? Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3. Did Jesus speak to gender? They weren't asking him if they could choose their own gender. They were asking him about divorce. What did he say? Haven't you read what the Word of God clearly says? Jesus was saying, Genesis 1, 2, and 3 is the Word of God. It's true. You can trust it, and you can base your life and your understanding of these issues upon these words. And Jesus is clear. God who created them from the beginning, from the very first people. I heard this Watchman Kato TV news fairly often. Why don't you get the local weather, right? Anybody else do that? I guess I'm the only one. Thank you. Okay, it's local. But they pull stuff down. They had a person on, I can't remember what the focus of the story was on because I got my mind blown. But she, she said three different times, um, people who get pregnant. No, 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 how was it? Pregnant people, pregnant people, pregnant people. Two different times. And I wanted to shout at the screen. I almost did. Lisa was like, seriously, here he goes. <laughs> people don't get pregnant. Jeez. Women do. But there are people who have lost jobs in universities and different settings who have said men can't get pregnant. They've lost their jobs. He who created them from the beginning, the very first human beings on the planet, Adam and Eve, made them male and female. And he said, therefore, when a man leaves his father and mother and holds fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh in a way that's obviously designed for pleasure and function. 
and children are produced. This is the design of God. We can't make covenants with the inhabitants of the land on these topics. Somebody say amen. I know we're Lutherans, but somebody say amen. Amen. We can't make covenants with the people of the land on these topics. Amen. They become entrapped in the snares of the enemy's lies. We must tear down such lies, reject even well-meaning and Minnesota nice invitations to go along with the flow of such lies. We're not going to beat up the people. We're not going to get angry at them and yell at them. We're going to share the truth with them and love. Amen? Amen. A Christian author I read this week made the case that when employers or school or college officials tell us uh, to announce our personally preferred pronouns, we should decline to do so. Because if we tell them our pronouns, we accidentally agree with them that people can actually choose their gender and their pronouns. You can't. You're born with it. If we have no choice but to declare what pronouns we should be called, our response might sound something like this. I typed it up. Uh, maybe get on the screen. Here we go. Something like this. And if you want, we can leave it up on the screen after church. You can write it down and, and whatever. But this is this is from Scripture and from, from how God, I believe, from this passage, have his handles. I would say something like, since I have to choose my personal pronouns, I choose the pronouns that are scientifically true. Yeah, I've said this before, I'm going to say it a million times again. We know now through excellent cellular microbiological science that you have a trillion cells in your body. And every single one of those one trillion cells has a stamp on it that says male or female. Now, you can take prescription drugs, you can take hormones, you can have surgeries done, but every single cell in your original body still screams, I'm a man, or you're a woman. So, back to my, sorry. Since I have to choose my personal pronouns, I choose the pronouns that are scientifically true. The pronouns that have been the accepted use of language for thousands of years. And the pronouns that are true to what God or Creator has made. My pronouns, me, Pastor Joe, my pronouns are he, him, his. To the glory of God who made me in his image. Amen. So if somebody makes me choose my pronouns, they're going to get a witness. They're going to hear the truth. They might not want to have anything to do with God. Well, then they got to deal with the science, right? Mm -hmm. And if they don't want to deal with the science, then they're choosing to live in complete ignorance, and that's their own choice, and all I can do is pray for them. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We must cherish the truth. Look at Moses and what God's telling him in this passage. God says, here's the truth. I am gracious and merciful. I'm slow to anger. I'm abounding in love and steadfast faithfulness. I forgive sin and wickedness and rebellion. That's the truth. Jesus, I am the truth. And God says, you've got to hang on to that truth and you have to stand for that truth and you must not, I warn you, 
God says to Moses, I warn you, you must not make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land who would not accept and cherish and love and stand on my truth. Because that's a bear trap for you. And next thing you know, you'll be marrying these folks and you'll be making covenants with them and it will wreck everything. Moses saw God's glory pass by his cleft in the rock and heard God declare his glory. Moses was overwhelmed with the truth of our amazing God. He went face down on the ground to worship. This God made a covenant with us, with you and me. You say, we weren't there on Mount Sinai 4,000 years ago. That's all right. God's got updated it with a new covenant with Jesus. God made a covenant with you and me, with all who will believe in his only son, Jesus. If you confess with your mouth, Romans 10, 9 and 10, use the last Sunday for confirmation, right? If you will confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. God made a covenant with us. He said, if you will believe in my son, will walk in my ways. I will save you for eternity. I will make you my very own. That's the best news I've ever heard. We must cherish it. We must stand on it. We can't compromise it. We can't Minnesota nice it. It's a bear trap. Father, we cry out for our nation, for our world. We are, we are shocked and appalled and dismayed by the bear traps, the unbelievable lies the enemy has laid out, and people are stepping into those traps every day. Father, we know we can ask you for mercy and grace because that is who you are. God, be abounding in mercy and grace for this nation, for, for our churches, for the church body that installed that bishop. God Almighty, come and help. Father, forgive us for times that we have Minnesota niced it, that we've compromised. Maybe we kind of fell into the trap. We didn't see it. We turned the corner and boom, there it was. God, we ask for grace and mercy. We thank you for it. Father, now help us to be trained up and ready. Holy Spirit, we are vessels. You live within us. Give us the words in the moments that you give us opportunity. God, make us aware. Keep us from the traps. Jesus, make us uh, mouthpieces of truth and grace and mercy that others might be saved from the bear traps the enemy has laid out. Come, Lord Jesus. Bless you, mighty God. Oh, God. Thank you, Lord. All these things and more. Do all you need to do in us today. We ask in Jesus' precious and powerful name. All God's people said. Amen. Now we're going to stand up and sing it. The chorus is, God's truth is marching on. I want to march with it. Amen. Amen.
what it is, is hymnal is 692. up in your glory and your truth and the strength of it and help us to march forward as awesome glory-filled soldiers for Christ reaching all those who are willing to be saved with your truth and your goodness bless you Lord now may the Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face to shine upon you be gracious to you the Lord look upon you with his countenance his face and keep you in his perfect peace in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.